Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. If you haven't noticed, it is absolutely nuts out there in the housing market. If you don't know exactly what you're doing and you don't have someone that you trust by your side to guide you through the process, good luck getting the home you want or getting the best price for the home you're selling. John Hurlbut at Altitude Homes is a guy I've known for years, over a decade, a friend and someone I trust implicitly. If you are in Pierce, South King, or Thurston counties, there is nobody better to help guide you through the real estate process right now. Go on over to altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkablogger. Now, again, that's altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up to contact John. He will help you with the process, and all referrals will result in a $1,000 donation from John and the Altitude Homes team to Ben's Fund. Everybody wins. Go in there, get your help, get your dream home, get the most money for your home. AltitudeHomesTeam.com slash HawkBlogger. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fans. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out no matter how hard it rains in my city. Welcome to Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Nemhauser. You can find me on Twitter at HawkBlogger. Please let me know if you can hear me okay. Let me know how the reception is. I uh, am on hotel Wi-Fi in, of all places, you guessed it, New York City. New York City, folks. I am here. Cheers to all of you. Let's give it up for your first place Seattle Seahawks. Five and three. Holy cow. The Seattle Seahawks just beat the six and one, the six and one New York Giants. And I'm going to tell you, folks, there are going to be people out there, and I'm going to come back to this. Oh, yeah, get your crabs up for sure. I, I'm not Evan. I don't even know how to do it, but but do it. Uh there are going to be people out there that are going to say, yeah, you know what? The Giants are frauds. We were having this Cashman. Hopefully you're listening. Derek, I hope you're listening. They're giving me crap because they've been saying the Giants are frauds and they know that it's bothering me. I got to say, you call the Giants frauds and you are, you are selling what the Seahawks just did short. That is a tough, that is a tough. Giants team 
they were without a bunch of players. They were scuffling on offense. They mucked it all up like they always do. They have played like eight games this year. They all look the same except for this one. I'm going to pull some things up here, but like this Giants team, uh, they have played everybody tight. And this is the first game. This is the most points that the Giants have allowed this year. They had allowed 23 points was their high up until now. 23 points. The, the most that they had, the, the least that they had scored in the game was 16. So this was their season low for points, their season high for points allowed. Do not sell that short. The Seahawks made that happen. So, I mean, this was, uh, I got to actually tweet that out because that's just too good. This was this, the Giants' season low for points scored and season high for points allowed. Go Hawks. So, I mean, this was fantastic. And I think that the Seahawks ground this game out. It was not easy. They were not getting the running lanes. Now, see, the thing is with the Giants is they come in with such a bad run defense from a numbers perspective. But here's the thing. They're bad because they gave up a lot of explosive plays. <laughs> when you don't get explosive plays, the run defense is pretty good, actually. So this is one of those things where, like, yards per carry can be a little misleading. But the Seahawks were not getting easy runs. Kenneth Walker on the day, 18 carries for 51 yards. 2.8 yards per carry. You want to know what's more impressive? What is more impressive than holding Kenneth Walker to 2.8 yards a carry? Holding Saquon Barkley to 2.7 yards per carry. 20 carries, 53 yards for Saquon Barkley. And he didn't really kill you in the passing game either. You know, every other week, when I've said, hey, you know, the Seahawks defense, they, they, they held him on the run. They held Austin Eckler, you know, to 20 yards on the ground or whatever it was. And then you look and he gained 100 yards receiving. Saquon Barkley had nine yards receiving, three catches for nine yards. The Seahawks absolutely dominated Saquon Barkley, and they made the Giants beat them some other way. They couldn't do it. They could not do it. So, you know, that is just massive. Uh, this defense, holy shit, everybody, what is going on with this defense? Everybody was ready to like send Pete Carroll out to pasture. He's a defensive coach. He can't coach defenses. His defense are all crap. If you don't think that Pete Carroll was the reason that Clint Hurt made the adjustment that he made to change the way that the defensive linemen were playing to go from two gap to one gap, to play more bare fronts, that's for you, Nathan. To get Ryan Neal more in that game, in the game plan, you're crazy. He is absolutely the reason that that happened. And this defense, I told you going into this week, this defense for the first five weeks, five weeks, they were the second to last in the NFL by most defense measures. They were like maybe third to last if you went by like DVOA. The last two weeks before this game, they were number one overall. Number one. Now, 
that's just insane. And, and this week is not going to change that. I, I'm going to, we'll go do, I will definitely do stats later tonight, but this, uh, this Seahawks defense, they hold the Giants offense to 225 yards on 64 plays. That is three and a half yards per play. And if you think, ah, oh, the Giants offense is trash, fine. Giants came in here averaging 5.2 yards per play. The Giants came in here. I'm going to pull up a couple things here for you. Giants came in here, I believe, the 14th ranked DVOA uh, offense. So, I mean, this is not, I mean, you say what you want about Daniel Jones, which, I mean, God, thank God he's not our quarterback, but um, let's pull up DVOA here, Football Outsiders. Um, if I go through the rankings for the Giants offense, they were 18th in points per game, 19th in yards per game, nothing great there, 20th in yards per play. Um, DVOA, though, you go to offense and – Sorry, they want me to log in because I'm on my work computer. Um, let's see if I got that right. Okay, yes. The New York football giants, uh, they were seventh. I was wrong. They were 14th in overall DVOA. They were seventh in offensive DVOA. They were eighth in pass and sixth in rush. That feels like crazy. I don't even know. I'm not sure that I, I believe that. Like, let's go back here and check overall. Uh, New York Giants, 14th overall. And yes, their offense was seventh. This is the seventh ranked offense in the NFL from an efficiency standpoint. What they do is they hold on to the ball really well. They are a time possession offense, time of possession offense. They were like close to tops. Let's take a quick look, make sure. I think I got that here somewhere. Fifth, fifth in the NFL in time of possession. So they just do the like boa constrictor type of team where they just keep you from getting the ball. You get very, very few chances. They take the air out of the ball, so to speak. And then on, on defense, they come after you. They come after you. And it's a, just a grind and they're rough and they tackle well and they get in the backfield like – this is a team that has a formula that has worked. It beat the Baltimore Ravens, okay? It, it came close to beating the Dallas Cowboys. It did beat the Green Bay Packers, whether you think that's impressive or not. And you could say, ah, yeah, but look what they, they like barely beat the Jaguars. Yeah, because this formula should feel very familiar to Seahawks fans. It is intentionally driven to keep games close and allow the team to have a chance to win it at the end. And the Giants were previously 4-0 and when trailing going into the fourth quarter. 4-0, and undefeated. Only team in the NFL with more than one win in terms of a winning percentage there. And the Seahawks just turned them back. And this game, folks, this game was, I think, tied going into the fourth quarter. 
go back, but I mean, like, I believe it was, or no, maybe the Seahawks were up by three. I think the Seahawks were up by three, but in any event, yes, the Seahawks were up by three because the Giants trailed going into the fourth quarter. That's how it was. In any event, they were up by three points, and the Seahawks extended the lead. Again, if you're just joining us, this is the most points that the Seahawks, uh, that the Giants had allowed an opponent to score and the fewest points that they had scored on offense all year. Both things, one game, one opponent, your Seattle Seahawks. This was a game that as tough and as much of a grind as it was, ends up being one of Seattle's biggest victories. And if Tyler Lockett doesn't fumble and catches an easy ball that he always catches, this could have easily been like 34 to six. Like it could have been that kind of game. Um, that's how clean this game was for the Seahawks. They end up with just three penalties. And one of those penalties was on the friggin' coach. So unreal to see that. Um, Got to talk. I mean, there's so much to talk about. I, I'm like just buzzing here. I'm so excited. This is your first place, alone in first place Seattle Seahawks. Unreal. This is a team that, on defense, once again created pressure on the quarterback. They end, they end the night, the afternoon, nighttime for me now, folks. I'm looking out at New York City, and I can, I can almost, can almost hear the swearing, and the tears. It's amazing. Uh, they end the night with five sacks, two of them by Uchenna Nuostu. Two of them on that final drive. This is a team that is now consistently getting pressure on the quarterback. Yes, there is problems with the offensive line for the Giants, but this didn't feel like blow-by stuff. This was these were well-earned sacks. They end up with eight quarterback hits, just solid. And here's a guy I'm going to start out with. I've talked about some other folks. I mean, you know, Nuosu definitely had a game. But, folks, I'm here to tell you that the Giants came into this game. Their game plan was, we are going to attack Mike Jackson. We are going to attack Michael Jackson. He is their weak point. That is what they came in believing. Almost every pass went at whoever Mike Jackson was guarding. And, man, he was up for the challenge today. It was, it was a fantastic game from Mike Jackson. He tackled well. He tackled with physicality, as they say. And I loved, I mean, he's, he, one of the things I've always liked about him that caught my eye last year in the last few games of the season and why I talked about him in the preseason and before even like the game started was I could just see the dog in him. Like this is a guy that, plays with fire and plays with a physical nature. And he brought that today. It was fantastic. He was fantastic. And he wasn't alone. I think that you've got, you got to talk about Bruce Irvin. I mean, can I get a couple of Bruce's? in the chat like 
this guy is 75 years old at this point. And he <laughs> he was one of the best players on the defense for the Seahawks today. He came around the edge. Yes, he jumped off sides one time. And it was a brutal mistake. But, you know, I'll take that, him trying to time a snap. Because later on, he sacked the running back by running through the quarterback. He made the quarterback tackle his own man. That is the kind of physical specimen Bruce Irvin is. That's why it was always fun to cheer for that guy because he embodied that just dog that the Seahawks played with on the LOB. It wasn't just the, the secondary. It wasn't just Cam Chancellor, and it wasn't just, you know, Michael Bennett. It was guys like Bruce Irvin who are less heralded, but he set that edge with fire. He would blow people up. And... He did that today. And I said, I'm going to take a little bit of a victory lap on this and feel free to like, just, you know, you can give me shit for it. But I called him out in our Real Hawk Talk Wednesday podcast this week. I said, watch out for Bruce Irvin in this game because this game called for exactly the kind of player he was. They needed someone who was going to set the edge on the run and be extremely physical, a solid tackler. This is a game that really made sense for Bruce Irvin, did not make sense for Daryl Taylor. Daryl Taylor ended up hurting his hip. I hope that's not serious. He did not come back as far as I know. But this was a game where Bruce Irvin got a lot of run, and I thought he was one of the best players on defense. He only ends up with two tackles and one tackle for loss. But his impact in this game was a lot more than that. A lot more. I think I've got to make a comment. <laughs> Fourth and seven, Daniel Jones goes back for the big play, passes it, and Cody Barton, even on fourth down, even when the fact of the matter is the fact that he knocked it down, still let the Seahawks get the ball back. He still just couldn't catch it. I mean, come on, dude. You're not going to get a better chance at a pick than him throwing it directly to you. Just pick the ball off. But I can't help but make a little dig there. There was a couple plays where Cody and Jordan got lost in the wash. I don't know that, that this was one of their best games. I think they had some, some moments. I thought the defensive line played really well. Um, I thought the scheme that they came up with, the Seahawks, they had – they had guys, they had like eight man fronts against the giants and the tackling today was sensational as bad as it was the first few weeks of the season. We were just like, Oh my God, it is awful. That is how good it was tonight. There was a play in particular. There was a few of them, a handful. There was one that I'm remembering where Saquon Barkley broke one tackle and then two tackles and then three tackles and got to the outside. And I'm like, this is the kind of thing where, you know, the, the Seahawks give up a 70-yard touchdown. And I don't remember. I want to say it was Quandre Diggs that brought him down, but I can't remember for sure. The point is that they did. And it was the wave after wave after wave of Seahawks defender. And, yes, they were losing. They weren't making the tackle initially. But he's a tough – he's like one of the best backs in the NFL. He's going to make some plays. But the fact is that they were – all swarming to the ball and swarming to Barkley 
and bringing them down. So I thought the run defense today was elite, which is unreal considering that this was the worst run defense in the NFL. It was basically historically bad. And now it is one of the best. I, astounding. Astounding. Tariq Woolen almost had an interception today. Ugh, I wanted that for him. Crazy play there where he actually batted the ball down and into the hands of the receiver. Great play by him to catch it. I don't know how he did it. Uh, oh, I got to talk about someone else. Another guy that I think was a hidden hero in this game. The opposite side of Bruce Irvin. Anybody want to guess who I'm going to talk about? Boye Mafe. Boye Mafe had his first sack as a Seahawk, as a professional. And not only that, but he showed up against the run. He really showed up. He set the edge. He made some great tackles. I saw him in the backfield. Again, his numbers aren't spectacular. He has two tackles. One of them is a tackle for loss. One of them is a sack. Um, so, but I thought this was his best game, his most impactful game. From there, guys and gals, we got to talk about the special teams. <laughs> we got to talk about Uncle Will Disley. I mean, Will Disley, I didn't, I got to be honest, I didn't even know he played special teams. I like follow Seahawks as closely as anybody. I didn't know he was part of coverage units. I thought maybe he, I wouldn't be surprised if he's part of like return team, but I did not know he was part of coverage units. And so he forces the first fumble on the punt return and he recovers the second fumble. Unreal. Like, what a game for Will Disley. And I'm pretty sure Travis Homer forced that second fumble. So, special teams for the first time this season, for the first time. Oh, it's so friggin' aggravating how hard it's been to just get a clean game out of the special teams. Today, they get the game ball. Ultimately, they were as much of a reason that this team won as anything else. But if we're talking about game balls and we're talking about memorable moments in this game, how about that drive from Geno Smith? And I've got to just say it from Geno Smith because he was a maestro. Let's look at this. Seahawks. Giants, 13-13. The Giants had just tied the game. First time they had tied the game since that touchdown. We'll talk about the Lockett stuff later. This was the Seahawks get the ball with 11 minutes and 17 seconds in the fourth quarter. So just the beginning of the fourth quarter. And they get it at their own 25-yard line. Basically got the full field to go. First play. 11 yards to DK Metcalf. Beautiful throw. Next play. Short pass to uh, Marquise Goodwin. Six yards. Folks, that was the only play that did not result in a first down or a touchdown on this drive. The only play. A six-yard pass 
Demarcus Goodwin, second and four from the Seattle 42. Next play, 13 yards to DK Metcalf again. Play after that, you know what happened. Unbelievable patience, play fake, you know, pump fake, I should say. 33 yards right in the basket to Tyler Lockett. That is five plays, 75 yards. Ball never hits the ground. All pass plays. Shortest play was six yards. Every other play either was a first down or a touchdown. That was masterful. That was game winning. Like that was why our guy is better than the other guys that are out there right now. I mean, I will not talk about it because it'll put me back in a bad mood. But if you offered me Trevor Lawrence, the number one overall pick that everyone said was the next great thing, straight up for Geno Smith, I would turn you down flat. Not even close. And anyone that says otherwise is not watching these guys play. You have got one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. And now, folks, we got to start getting excited about it. Like, we've been, ha- this started, this evolved. This started as like this debate of, like, what should we do? Do we sign him? Do we still draft a quarterback high? Screw that. Those first four picks, two in the first, two in the second, you are building this team around Geno Smith. He is your guy. You are now eight games into this season. Eight games. And he has been a top four quarterback in the NFL. You are not going to get better than that. The likelihood that you are going to get better than that in the draft is super low. The likelihood that you, if you're lucky, you get a Trevor Lawrence, who at least has some talent, but he's pretty shit. So draft a quarterback later. Do the Dana. Draft a quarterback in the third round. Maybe you get a Michael Penix, you know, right? But... This is the this is the dude. And did you see him at the end of this game? Did you see him at the end of this game where he just he's just got the fire in him? Like this is a guy that if you built a quarterback that was like ideal for me to cheer for, he's kind of it. And it's not just the way he plays. It's that It's the way he leads. Like he commands respect from coaches, from players, from opponents. He plays with fire. And man, his story. There's there's not a better story in the NFL. Not a better story, maybe in sports going right now, than Geno Smith, who was an afterthought, fringe NFL player, basically. And now one of the best. Who knows what this guy's going to do? Every week is must-see TV because we don't know. I didn't know if he was going to play that well against the Giants this week. I didn't know if he was going to play that well against the Giants after the first half. But this guy is such a leader. Super underrated part of this game. We all know what happened to Tyler today, right? Had that fumble, which was a killer second week in a row that the Seahawks got pinned back at their own end zone and had a 
just mishap. Last week was a safety. This week, fumble, two-yard line, turns into a touchdown. Ugh. Then Gino throws just the perfect pass to Tyler, who ran the perfect route. We've seen him make that play a million times. Tyler is money in the bank. The ball actually hits his helmet. I don't think he saw that trajectory coming. His helmet ricocheted, didn't make the catch. And this guy's hanging his head on the sideline. Who goes over to him and talks him up? Geno Smith does. Like, Geno Smith didn't hesitate to go back to Tyler for what was the game-winning touchdown. So this is a guy that's not just making these great throws and great reads and great adjustments at the line. It's not a guy that's even just making like great moves in the passing game. He's getting them into good runs. He's running himself. He's getting rid of the ball. He's doing all this, but he is leading that team. And he's leading some alphas like DK. Tyler's not an alpha personality, but he is a pro bowl level receiver. He's proven in this league. Gino is the alpha of alphas. I think you could argue he is the alpha of alphas in the entire roster right now. That's that's something. So I uh, I'm just loving watching him play. And yes, oh boy, boys and girls, it certainly wasn't just Gino. That touchdown run by. K9, Kenneth Walker. How in the world, what in the world happened on that play? I mean, not only did he decide to go against the play, like the play was not designed to go left. You could tell he was supposed to go the other direction. He saw an opening, decided to cut 99 times out of 100. That is a tackle for loss or not much that happens because the players can can catch up to you. And sure enough, somebody caught up to him. They got a hold of his leg. I'm trying to remember the play off the top of my head, and he just pulled out of it and raced around everybody else into the end zone for a touchdown? Like, what on earth? I mean, that was insane. That was a Marshawn Lynch level, what the hell kind of run. <laughs> and I'll be honest, uh, I made a lot of noise with that Tyler touchdown and that K9 touchdown. And I imagine I'm not making a lot of friends uh, up here in New York tonight. But that was a special win, folks. That was a special, that was just like, that was a buzz worthy win. The Seahawks so far, they've had some like really fun moments here and there. Uh, this win against the Chargers last week was impressive, but you also kind of look at the Chargers and you're like, yeah, the Chargers any good. Like they kind of were shit. And then this game, this game was like a clean game. Yes, Tyler had the fumble. I know. And he had the drop. I know. But like there's 52 guys and like, for the most part, everyone kind of did their job and they played against a team that played well. The Giants, you can say that they didn't, 
but they played their game and they played really physical and they made it hard and the Seahawks still beat them convincingly. So this game for me, this felt a little like, you know, when the Giants came in, in in the past and the Seahawks had statement wins back in 2005. I mean, this was, this was a special one. I, I think that there's a lot that you had to really like about this. And I think that the Seahawks ceiling is creeping up where it was, it's been kind of fun to just harass NFC West fans about the Seahawks being alone in first place. While in all, all our hearts, maybe a little bit, we're like, okay, we'll enjoy this while we can. I think they might be able to enjoy it for a while. I'm not scared of playing the 49ers or the Rams with this team. Doesn't mean I'm like, oh, 100% sure they're going to win those games, but Seahawks are developing a formula that's pretty good. When you have a quarterback that is not making mistakes, that is getting you into good plays, regardless of who the defense is and what they bring, you've got an offensive line that's doing their job. you got a running back who's explosive. And if you didn't think that played into it today, there, the Giants were keying on Kenneth Walker and opening up other plays happened a number of times but anyway you got a great running back you've got great receivers who are making catches you've got great tight ends who are making catches and plays and now you've got a defense that is increasingly one of the hardest defenses in the nfl to score on uh and special teams finally is not a negative guess what you're going to win a lot of games with that that recipe, especially as crappy as the NFC is this year. So, by the way, if you haven't already, give the show a like, please. For gosh sakes, I'm up here in New York delaying my dinner because I want to celebrate with all of you, but I'd really appreciate a like. Click subscribe on the channel so you know when we go live. Go over to patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Join up right now. You get immediate access to the Slack channel and the conversation keeps going and it's with a very cool group. There's a few hundred people in there now. This isn't a small community. It's a growing, burgeoning community of like-minded Seahawks fans that are cool people, good sense of humor, treat each other with respect and talk Seahawks obsessively in Slack and it's fun. So get access to that community. And by the way, what you subscribe for at uh, patreon.com slash hawkblogger ends up getting donated. We've donated over $200,000 to charity so far, and we're going to donate more this year. So go ahead, go over to patreon.com slash hawkblogger, give the show a like. All right. So a couple other things that are coming to mind for me. Um, I thought Travis Homer had a nice game. Not only did he that fumble on special teams he had a, a good run good re reception um i thought there was someone else that was in my brain it just kind of flew out of it who was it um darn it 
kudos to Jason Myers for making a blocked field goal. That was big. I got to go back to the play-by-play -play because I think that might help me remember what I'm trying to remember here. Oh, that's what I want. You know, I had a great game. Pete Carroll. Folks, this was, this game started punt, 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 punt. Six punts in a row. And for the Giants, it was three, three and outs. And I think I heard, I'll have to go and check. I think I heard it was the first time they had been three and out for the first three series in the game since like for ages. I think the last team to do it to them was the Seahawks, if I'm remembering. So I'll have to double check. Anyway, six punts to start the game. And then the touchdown. But it wasn't easy. It was 15 plays, the most, the, the longest scoring drive in terms of number of plays that the Giants have given up all season. It started off the Seahawks 31-yard line. And what am I talking about that Pete had a good game? There were two moments where he could have made another choice. 0-0 zero, zero, slugfest. It is fourth and one on the Giants 18-yard line into the second quarter. You're scoreless after one, okay? So you already kind of know you're in a, a defensive battle, or you think you are. You got a field goal. You got a sure field goal. But they had already decided. It was third and one, and they went deep to Marquise Goodwin. You knew they were going for it on fourth one at that point. They basically had told Shane Waldron, you got two shots here, and they took advantage. And then, kudos to Shane Waldron, he came out with some great plays today. You might not remember in the first drive where – the play where Gino is walking down the line, they direct snap it to Kenneth Walker for a first down on a, on a conversion. They had some, they had some nice conversions. So anyway, Pete, Pete already decided we are going for a touchdown. That is absolutely a point that Pete could have kicked the field goal and might have in the past. They get the first down, and they get it on a pass to Tyler Lockett. Remember that, like. I think they had Lockett in the backfield and he leaked out to the left and Gino threw it up and over the defender. It wasn't a big play, but it was a first down. It was totally against, it was totally against their tendencies. So now you've got first down, you're in the red zone and it's still a grind. And guess what? You get to fourth down and two at the six yard line. And this one, I am not sure that Pete had already decided. Because on third and eight, Gino scrambled and got six yards and they got to fourth and two. And they go for it. And what do they pull out here? They pull out a shovel pass to Will Disley. I mean, I don't know if I want to see that again, but Shane Waldron today, I think gave a master class in going against tendencies the this game is not just going to help the Seahawks today and in the stand in the standings it is going to help them down the road because they've now put on tape tendency breakers that the other defenses the other opponents are going to now have to prepare for and think about which creates chance for you to counter so basically this is Shane Waldron putting people you know, 
against the ropes and with great combinations. And I thought he called a pretty fantastic game. So, I mean, those are my initial thoughts on this stuff. I am like, I'm over the moon. Like, this is so fun. And the fact that I now get to spend the week in New York and don't have to put up with snide jokes from New Yorkers about the Giants beating the Seahawks. And I just get to smile. That's good. I'm okay with that. That'll be fun. So, folks, enjoy. Enjoy the rest of the night. This has been uh, a really special evening. <laughs> evening for me, afternoon for all of you. Watching the Seahawks pull this out. and. If you haven't already, please give the show a like, subscribe to the channel. We're almost 8,000 subscribers, which is cool. And have some fun. Enjoy the night. Enjoy the, the win. And for folks that look forward to my morning after column, the mornings after games, might be an evening time thing tomorrow, depending on how I sleep. If I happen to wake up at what would be uh, uh, 3 a.m. Pacific time and have enough time to write, then I will. Otherwise, it will probably have to wait because I got an early morning myself up here. So congrats, enjoy, and uh, good to see here that Ryan Neal's injury was just cramps. That's good to see. Uh, wow. Go Hawks. First place Seahawks. Awesome, awesome, awesome.